and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 16th of April 2014. I'm Phil Hinton and joining me is news editor Mark Hodgkinson. Look into my eye. Games editor Mark Botwright. They mostly come out at night. Mostly. Movies editor Simon Crust. I guess she didn't like the cornbread either. Audio reviewer Ed Selly. Did IQs drop sharply whilst I was away? And assistant editor Steve Weathers. Game over, man. I welcome along to the podcast and before we start delving into this week's subject... Uh, with Easter weekend close at hand, there is no weekly podcast next week due to the holiday and then nobody's diaries were able to match up. Uh, so again, there's no podcast next week, but we will be back on Wednesday the 30th with the next weekly edition. Right, let's kick on. Hardware news, Oppo headphones. Tell us about it, Ed. Well, this is important for two different reasons. First, on a micro level, um... Oppo have decided to make a pair of headphones. That's not news in itself. Lots and lots of companies have been deciding to make a pair of headphones lately. It's it's a growth market, as I keep on hammering about, hammering on about. Difference is that Oppo have literally gone all in. Uh, the PM1, uh, standing for Planar Magnetic Headphone, uh, one, uh, I've seen a photo of the box. Someone posted it on Twitter, and it turns up in roughly the same size box as their Blu-ray players, which kind of gives you an insight into the sort of dimensions of the thing. Um, but they are, uh, as the name suggests, these are planar magnetic drivers, which are fiendishly difficult to do. Uh, instead of a conventional driver moving backwards and forwards, or indeed even an armature driver, which vibrates to make a driver move backwards and forwards, uh, planar magnetic, and I'm sure that somebody cleverer than me is going to be listening to the podcast and is going to go, that's not how it's done. It is essentially a membrane uh, with conductive ribbons placed down it and charge is applied, which vibrates the membrane at different frequencies. Uh, the advantage of this is that uh, a well-sorted planar speaker is supernaturally quick. There's just so little inertia to the driver. It weighs, I, I believe the standard, the standard uh, membranes on these things weigh less than a gram. So just the, the speed that they can deliver at different frequencies is, is out of this world. And it's extremely difficult to get right. Um, as a first effort, that's uh, quite something. Uh, hope uh, we are getting a pair in for review, and I, I, you know, I hope that the, you know, given how good they are at Blu-ray players and how, how, you know, how far they've come, I have every confidence that this is going to be quite something. Um, and it's uh, a significantly, uh, a significantly sophisticated piece of equipment. So, yeah, it's that's that's on a technical level, these are very very significant. On a wider level. Um, and this is where you know there's more more of a debate and more interactivity. I hope with you guys that I think this is extremely significant because Oppo are almost certainly, if not the biggest fish, one of the biggest fish in the production of Blu-ray. And with the continuing uncertainty over where we go from here in disc-based formats, it's intriguing and I think very significant. They look, I, I'm sure that they will be looking at various sort of media streaming solutions as well. I mean they're their blu-ray players are already capable media streamers in their own right but this is if you like a clear signposted warning this is what ha this is an av company going we need to have something else in the inventory because there's so little confirmed and sorted out about you know actual me you know video media playback going forward and, and what are we going to do with ourselves uh, ed how much are these headphones 
That's a fantastic question, and I'm frantically looking at all the right, press releases. Pounds. They are a lot of money, yes. Right, okay. So they're not cheap, which, which, you know, when you talk about Oppo, I mean, originally they were seen as a cheap brand. They were. Uh, when they first came to market, and they've gone 180 degrees. I mean, the, the cheapest Blu-ray player, correct me if I'm wrong, is 500 quid. Yeah, yeah. this is this is absolutely correct. They, it's, it's interesting that I've, I've sort of, been aware of and, and, and sort of t- worked on and off with the the parent company of Oppo for many, many years. Um, they provided solutions for, for companies I've worked for in the past. And as their confidence grew in the quality of the solutions that they were providing, and I think the most important thing is they watched as you know, high-end companies took their products in its entirety, stuck them in a big metal box and charged an enormous sum of money for them. And they have very calmly worked out, well, let's cut out the middleman. We'll put our products in a big metal box ourselves. We'll sell them for less than the high-end companies were, but we can, you know, we can increase what we're, we're actually getting for the product. And I think, I don't know, I, I would, it's going to be interesting to see if they can carry it off. I mean, I don't know how large the market is for headphones at this price. Um, I know it has undergone uh, all categories of headphones at all prices have undergone seri- uh, significant growth in the last few years, but it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, it lives or dies really. If they have made a well-sorted pair of planar magnetic headphones, the cheap, I mean, there are companies that do them for less. There's an American company called Hi-Fi Man that's been doing them for some years and they, they, they go from about five or six hundred, so they're still not giving them away. But when you consider that another, competi- another competitor is a company called Stax, based in Japan, who actually use a slightly different principle. They use electrostatic, which is a different way of exciting the membrane and in one way quite hilariously dangerous because the Stax principle basically means you have several hundred volts in potential on either side of your head. And if that went wrong, well, you wouldn't know about it. Have they ever stacks, killed anybody? Stacks, stacks are adamant that no one has ever been killed by their headphones. Um, <laughs> and I need to make it abundantly clear that I don't have a shred of evidence to suggest anything <laughs> to the contrary. But it's, it's funny. I've got a pair of stacks headphones turning up. Um, and I, yeah, I have, I, I'm momentarily uncomfortable about the principle of that. Planar magnetic headphones don't have this principle. There's no voltage in potential. Uh, and, and the actual voltages to excite the membrane are, are significantly lower. Sorry, Ed, so, I was about to say, so you won't go out running in the rain with them. But then, <laughs> silly well, me, you can't, running. You can't, go, you can't go anywhere with the stack. Uh, because the voltages required are very high, you can't just plug electrostatic headphones into a headphone socket. They need to have what's called an exciter. And we cite the membrane. Hooked up with his interest right there, and yeah, you need to throw a huge amount of voltage into the into the into the system to make it function. Planar magnetics can run off a conventional headphone socket. I believe the the Oppo does, but you will find that you need a properly burly headphone socket to make them work. You you plug these into an iPhone, and I don't think they're going to do very much. Apparently, they're releasing their own headphone amp as well later in the year. Oh, that would be it. Be a no-brainer. To be fair, yeah. it's an entirely logical thing. Um, I mean, the, the Hi-Fi Man company—they've partnered up with the um, the best named company in audio, in fact, uh, Shit S C H I T to uh, to produce uh, to produce headphone amplifiers that are uh, up to the task of doing it. Yeah, I mean, they make a product called the Liar. So there's a product called the Shit Liar, um, which is a a, fabu- with, a fabulous name for a product, isn't it? With the tagline, um, they, they, this shit sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, um, 
they, to be fair, they they don't make any any they don't they don't pull their punches. I mean, their original rant, uh, set of UK advertising it was just this is the shit, and indeed it was on on all the levels. So I think it is very significant that Oppo are looking at have gone so what something so considerably different to what they've been doing before and i i i think it i think we may see one or two more examples of this over the next six to 12 months from different companies good stuff so we're getting that in for review very soon so uh, obviously we'll have a, an update regarding just how good they are or, or otherwise uh, and at that price point i mean you know i was being a bit sarcastic last week or the week before when we were talking about 600 quid headphones earphones this is double that I think the headphones have an easier time of it than earphones. And and looking at it, they come with the biggest and most just just pre- enormous wooden display case as well, which um, you know is absolutely pointless in terms of sound quality. But I, I, there does appear to be significant perceived value to what you're getting. And headphones have a slightly easier time of it in that regard. But no, you're right. It's a big sum of money. Let's see if they deliver on it. With all due respect to Oppo, I couldn't care less about the headphones. But I think the point that Ed makes... It's very valid. It was something we were going to discuss last week, but we didn't get it around to. They're predominantly known, almost exclusively up until this point, for making Blu-ray players. The fact that they're diversifying into other areas maybe is an indicator that we're at the end of Blu-ray's life cycle. Um, They've got no way to go, Well, they could hang out for a 4K Blu-ray format, but I don't think we're going to get it. I don't think it's coming. And that's the problem. I had a... You sound like Someone. you're going to burst into tears at any minute, well, Steve. <laughs> I'm almost should you down. Play last, last post at this point. <laughs> Find some really sad music for them playing. Because <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I would love to get a real, you know, a 4K Blu-ray format, uh, and this is what I've been told off the record, which is that, you know, they they can make them four layer, um, hundred gigabyte Blu-rays, no problem at all. Technology's there, they've got the codec, it's all ready to go, but the studios aren't interested in supporting it. And if that's the case, then it's not going to happen. End of story. Um, and, not, and whatever we enthusiasts may think is not going to happen. And, and that's sad, because it means not only does it mean we're not going to get a really high-quality 4K delivery system, it's the end of physical discs. And, you know, that's my main vice these days. I just hope we're not going to hear a solitary gunshot at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't go on <laughs> what am I going to do for a hobby <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to the smack <laughs> go back to the smash did you say smack oh right Steve's the powdered mashed potato no no I was thinking of the, um, the the 70s pop magazine my smash hits that's what I'm going back to and look out <laughs> Was it look out or look? What was it called? Look, look in. Was look? look in. That was it. Look in. <laughs> look out. Steve's about. <laughs> He's dirty Mac. Anyone disagree with me? Oh, not about the magazine. <laughs> about, the... about whether about it'll the... come or not. No, I don't know. Okay, Blu-ray. I've just got this image of you getting a packet of smash, emptying it on the table, and then grounding it up. Getting your tent and then snorting it. Or just going face down it like Al Pacino with Scarface. Yeah, there'll be a big pile of smash and me hanging from the rafters. White powder all over my face. And maybe one Tears. of those, a- those aliens from cheeks. the adverts laughing. If <laughs> <laughs> you waited a few more months, you could have had his 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> they were just waiting to see yes, that was all. <laughs> okay. 
Is this some sort of record? Uh, I mean, allowing for my... Well, I'm actually trying to make a serious point and you're just pissing yourself <laughs> laughing. I tried. We're going I'm, so well. We were so on I'm done. I'm done for the evening now. I'm not even yeah. drinking. I just, you just shot your bolt early doors, didn't you? <laughs> we're I'm going just... so well. And now look at it. Uh, right, before we move on, um, we posted on Twitter earlier on asking for questions uh, for our... Um, I was going to say, ask the experts, but that's a bit... You've got the wrong guys. So, we'll call it ask the idiots. Um, ask, ask the sex pest last time we did this. <laughs> uh, right, so we had one which came in from a potential uh, burglar. Uh, he basically said, at AV Forums, it's from Adam Garbat. And he's really interested to know what home setup you each have. I know you review a lot, but what do you actually own? Let's go to Simon. Um, what, right from top to bottom? Or bottom to top. Or bottom to top. Okay, my screen is uh, Pioneer Curo um, 5090. The Blu-ray player is uh, Pioneer 160. Uh, speakers are M&K 850s. Rear sp- uh, surround speakers are M&K K4s. And the amp is a Pioneer... Last year's model, cannot remember. <laughs> seven begins oh, with seven. Oh, you got the 76, haven't you? 76, yeah. Didn't you buy that on my recommendation? I did. <laughs> hey, what a mug. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's excellent. It's, uh, I'm really, really impressed with it, actually. Far, far more detailed than the Onkyo 870 or 870, whatever it is. Okay. Was it 807? 870? I don't know, whatever one it was. And, up, and you're out of work during the day, so what's your address for Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, fake street. <laughs> uh, Steve? I've got uh, a Carada uh, 2.35 to 1 screen, uh, Unity gain, uh, about 10 foot wide. I've got a JVC X3 projector, Lumogen uh, Radiance um, processor, Oppo Blu-ray player. Uh, I've got Anthem 710 processor, um, AV receiver, sorry, and uh, BMW speakers and an SVS sub. Uh, I have a Panasonic GT60 Plasma, Cambridge Audio 751R AV receiver, um, which is uh, an interesting product. Ma- magnificent set of amplifiers, less magnificent set of processing options. Um, Cambridge Audio 752BD Blu-ray player, uh, and then uh, Sky and other other niceties kicking around on that as well and then upstairs because obviously the, oh sorry speakers are a set of more than short mezzo wands um which were actually issued to me as the f- first set of the first production batch and i have great sentimental attachment to um and then upstairs there is uh name nd5 streamer name supernate 2 amplifier neat momentum 4 speakers a michel gyro deck with uh, audio note arm three uh, there's an avid ingenium with a roxanne to bris and sme m2 uh, arm uh, lots of cartridges depending on what's on the right um then there's a pair of audio note ank loudspeakers i've got an electro companion amplifier i've got an audio analog amplifier I've got two Cambridge Audio CD players, three Cambridge Audio DACs, and I'm looking at this big pile of stuff and thinking, I could probably do with having a car boot sale at some point. Because <laughs> <laughs> not all of it sees that much use. Oh, I've, I've got another pair of speakers, uh, which have been... I'd, this is an awkward one. Um, they belong to... They were built by a company which no longer exists. They were sent for review, 
and um, yeah, they, the company disappeared before I ever got to send them back. And I don't know if they count as bankrupt Handy. stock or anything. So they're just just here until such time as they're not, I guess. They're made by a company called Green River Audio, who no longer exist. That's uh, quite a list of kit there, Ed. So if Ed gets burgled, that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Because you can just claim all the insurance for all that. <laughs> well, that, that of it that's here as insured. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it, it just, unfortunately, you just sort of, I, I'm not very good at selling it. I mean, we've got this wonderful classified system, and I just, I just say, oh, I might need it. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's like very specific form of hoarding. You're you, an AD you say, hoarder, aren't you? You say yeah. it's a, an excellent classified section. I think the vast majority of our members would say it's a, 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 it's a, trap. a trap, basically. Yeah. The amount of money oh, well, that people they, spend. They, they buy stuff instead of sell. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, well, I mean I, I, I've, got, I've got Discogs and eBay for that, for, for records and other things. I bought another camera lens last night. Can't help, can't help myself. We told you before, Ed, stop going online when you're drunk. <laughs> I wasn't. That was the thing. Last night, sober as a judge, but I, I, I saw there was a lens and I thought, if that stays until <laughs> I'm having that. Yeah. And I just didn't, I couldn't believe that the, the bid I, I boshed in at 10 seconds to go managed to hold up. And yeah, I find myself, I found myself the proud owner of yet another lens. <laughs> Never mind. It's fine. Got more lenses and spec savers. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good good strap line. Oh right, oh, Hodge, not, Hodge's turn. Shut up, Ed. Uh, yeah, I've not, I was thinking about this when when the question came up. I've not bought anything since I've been reviewing, so it mine's all out of date stuff. But uh, such as it is, when it's not under the stairs, I have a um, Panasonic uh, Plasma Twenty Series, which I've grown to loathe over the years. <laughs> uh, I've got uh, also under the stairs and not hooked up since I moved house is an uh, Yamaha RX7 something, 7 series uh, amp. I was in the middle of changing speakers and never got around to it, so I've now got no speakers to go with that amp. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I just want to make it clear that all the stuff that comes in for review goes back. So this is That's stuff not that you stuff. actually This own. is my stuff. This yeah. is my stuff. So, uh, I, I, and yeah, there's the odd soundbar knocking about uh, that, that I use. Um, that's uh, not been picked up. Uh, I've got a UView box. Uh, well, it's a Panasonic Blu-ray player. I don't know whether that's mine or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, the Wii, uh, a Roku 3, Roku 3, whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, that's that's about it, really, at present. That I actually own. Okay. And uh, what rate? Uh, unsurprisingly, my kit tends to lean towards the gaming side of things. Never. No, yeah, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a kind of a bunch of old stuff like an old Panny Plasma and a Sanyo projector and a BMAX screen and various KEF speakers that I can't remember what they are. Um, but more important, Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, 360, PS3, uh, with a Virtua Stick High Grade, uh, 3DS XL and a Vita. Okay, I think that's everybody done there. Right, you? No, you. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what I've got in my house, you must be barking mad. That's because there isn't anything. It's just piles, piles, <laughs> piles and piles of newspaper. Ashtrays. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, living room, I've got a Kuro, a VT20, Apple TV, Validine 12-inch sub, two Channel X 6020s, which are on the PC for editing. Um, in the cinema room, screen excellence two three. Uh, what is it? Two three two three eight to one. T- 
10-foot screen, JVC X95, uh, Onkyo 5007, Teufel THX system, 8 speaker system, Panasonic Blu-ray player, uh, Teufel THX sub, BK Monolith. There you go. And a Windows XP PC. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'm surrounded by about eight screens when I sit at the desk here. And uh, two PCs and an Apple Mac. Do you have a house or is it built around out the kit? <laughs> Just assembled <laughs> like out of the, the screen. <laughs> yeah. Right, so hopefully that answers uh, Adam's question. Also, I had another question from uh, somebody called Ed Selly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. EJ Selly uh, saying, I AV forums, I want someone from Sapporo Beer to listen in and also become the official beer sponsor of the AV forums podcast. I, I'm willing to endorse them to a point where I'd just be a shameless corporate whore. <laughs> what, what are you someone... willing to do, Ed, for that, for that sponsorship? I mean, how far are you prepared to go? It's probably easier to list the things I won't. You wouldn't do. do. No. <laughs> it's. it's... <laughs> Very possibly the finest lager beer in the world. Um, Sapporo. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. really good. Yeah, it's Especially lovely. in the big the big coffin, 600 mil cans. You ever you drunk know, that, it in that... Japan? Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, that's, that's enough plugging of beer. That uh, enough plugging of where we used, used to live and so on. Right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so, we got the World Cup coming up. It's uh, eight or nine weeks away. I'm not 100% sure exactly when it is. Uh, I think it's nine weeks away. So you may have ideas of getting yourself a new TV or a projector uh, or you want the best out of your existing TV or projector system and so on. So we're going to do some articles uh, on the homepage and we're also going to do some stuff on the podcast. Just to bring you up to speed, little tweaks here and there that you can make to your system. Uh, If you don't have the budget to get a professional calibrator in, uh, we'll give you some tips to get the TV in the right mode and so on. And also uh, we have the Picture Perfect campaign, if that's something you're not aware of. If you go to the, uh, any page on AV Forums, go to the menu, click on Home Cinema and uh, Picture Perfect is listed there. If you click on that, it'll take you through the three stages of Picture Perfect for getting your TV set up out of the box in its best possible configuration before uh, getting any sort of calibration done to it. Uh, you'd be able to enjoy your TV and not get your retinas burnt out in shop mode. Right, so this week, uh, this has been prompted by Steve because it's a real bugbear of his. Uh, people coming on the forums and uh, asking about correct aspect ratios and and particularly asking why there's black bars on their TV, Steve, when they're watching films. They're not getting the whole picture. Yeah, Uh, I'm actually surprised. I mean, I can understand this question being asked about 10 years ago when still pan and scan and and letterboxed movies weren't as common. But I'm, I'm surprised that... Even now, we still I still get asked by people, you know, why are there black bars on? Uh, someone was watching, I think it was a Harry Potter movie, and he said, you know, are those black bars supposed to be there? And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and then explained why. There's two aspects. There's two aspects to aspect ratio. One is the correct setting on the TV for the content you're watching in terms of not so much the aspect ratio of the actual content, but in terms of how it's being delivered. So. If you're watching high-definition content, if you're watching a high-definition broadcast or you're watching a Blu-ray, you need to make sure that you've got your TV or projector in, I guess, what we would call the, you know, the um, pixel-to-pixel aspect ratio. In other words, the aspect ratio that matches the panel directly with the uh, content. Because if you're using anything other than that type of aspect ratio, there'll be a degree of scaling involved and you will lose some of the high-resolution detail in that picture. The chances are that the majority of people in this country with a high-definition TV watching high-definition broadcast or Blu-ray aren't actually looking at a high-definition picture because unfortunately, through no fault of their own, 
they're watching their TV in the, with, the, with the wrong aspect ratio setting because TVs are all shipped with, uh, usually it's called 16 to 9, um, and that would seem like the correct ratio to pick. It's a 16 to 9 ratio TV, 16 to 9 sounds right. Those settings are almost always, with the exception of Panasonic, are set to overscan. So they've actually sort of zoomed the picture out a little bit so you can't see the edges of the, of the image, which is done deliberately so you can't see any digital junk at the edge of the broadcast and you don't ring up the manufacturer and complain about something wrong with the TV when actually it's the broadcast, not the manufacturer. The problem is by scaling it, they're up, you're losing a degree of detail. You're, they are adding scaling artifacts to the image. So something that's very easy to show people with a multiverse pattern that's quite difficult to explain. So you need to make sure that your TV is set to the pixel mapping mode and unfortunately, all the manufacturers all use different names. So uh, ScreenFit for Samsung, JustScan for LG, uh, Dot by Dot for uh, Pioneer. Panasonic do call it 16 to 9, but there is an extra um, option in the menu where you have to turn over scan off. Uh, and then you'll, you'll have you know, the full image being relayed onto the panel. So that's one, as that's one part of aspect ratio. It's getting the correct setting on the TV for okay, content Okay, so you're before you go any further on that, recently I was up at my auntie. She's got a new Panasonic plasma. She asked me to set it up. So I set it up, and I set it up so there was no overscan. After leaving, about an hour and a half later, she phones me and says, our TV's broken. <laughs> so I went back. And what was happening was that the channels that she was watching were SD channels on, from a Skybox, and there was loads of digital junk. Yeah, at the the top of the I, did, I did say for high def. Yeah, for, for I, I just wanted def. to make that that point absolutely clear. Yeah, that on standard, standard definition, def. you will get junk depending on the channel, depending on the broadcaster. Yeah, I mean, some broadcasters are better than others. I mean, I watch all my content uh, in pixel mapping mode, dot by dot on a, on the Kura, and uh, and I never had a real problem with digital junk, to be honest. But depending on what, I tend to watch decent channels. If you're watching some of the the less uh, salubrious and um, slightly less, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? What are you saying? Quest is quality not a good channel. quality channels. <laughs> Dave brings to mind. Yeah, hey, you might get back. I love Dave. If you're watching a standard definition broadcast, then there's no problem in putting it into 16 to 9 and overscanning a bit because you're going to be scaling it up anyway. It's only when you're watching high-def broadcasts and particularly when you're watching Blu-rays that you want to make sure you've got the right setting. Right, so okay. That's, Let's go to the next bit then. Yeah. Aspect ratios of the films themselves. So TV, modern TV programs are made in a well, 1.78 to 1 aspect ratio, and that is the same ratio as your TV screen. The majority, uh, some films theatrical films you see at the cinema, they use an aspect ratio of 1.85 to 1, which is about the same. Not quite. There'll be a very tiny little black bar at the top and bottom, but you won't be able to really notice it on the need to most modern TVs. And that's one aspect ratio. But most films these days, they went through a period in the 80s when 1.85 to 1 was the normal, the most commonly used aspect ratio for movies. Partly, I think, because of pan and scan and videotape. But since we've had widescreen TVs, there's been a real move back to proper widescreen movies. And by that, I mean 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio. Um, 21 by 9 is another type term that's used. Um, in other words, it's 2.3 times as wide as it is high. When you're watching that kind of ratio movie on an, a 16 by 9 TV, you will have black bars on top and bottom. They're supposed to be there. It's so that you can see the entire image. If you zoom it out, so you just fill your TV screen, you'll lose image at either side. I've, got the, I've got the perfect scene for them to try this as well, if they're not yeah. convinced. Uh, Star Wars A New Hope, uh, when C-3PO and R2-D2 get into the escape pod to jettison out right at the beginning of the movie, and uh, as they go out, it's two wide shots, one 
from the droid's point of view and one towards the planet that they're heading to. Each of those shots are wide shots with C-3PO on the furthest left mm-hmm. and R2-D2 on the furthest right. If and you the window zoom, in the middle, isn't And the it, window in the middle. If you zoom in, all you see is the window in the middle. Yeah. You won't see the characters. Um, and I guess the easiest way of explaining it, Steve, is uh, different size of rectangles. So the TV is one size of rectangle. The movie is a wider rectangle, and you can't fit a wider rectangle into the small rectangle without having space at the top and the bottom, yeah. uh, which is where the black so bars go. They're supposed to be there. and, and that, So it's not a fault with the disc, it's not a fault with the TV. They're meant to be there, so you get to see the entire image as the director intended. And we bang on about this a lot, but you know, the whole point... Um, it, it behind setting up your TV projector correctly is to see the content as the creators wanted you to see it, and that's one of the aspects of it is, is seeing it in its correct ratio. So, two things to remember from this conversation basically one, make sure if you're watching uh, high definition content, particularly if you're watching Blu rays, that you've got your TVs or projectors set to um, to the sort of the pixel mapping mode. You'll need to check the manual probably, or just ask us on the uh, on the thread to attach this podcast and we'll tell you if you're, for your specific manufacturer. Or they could go to the Picture as- Perfect website. Or they can go to the Picture Perfect website. And we have everything listed out there, all the manufacturers and what they call their, their stuff. Presumably you'll put a link to that on the thread, will you? Uh, yes, there's a link yeah. on the thread. Oh, and, it's, the and it's also uh, myperfectpicture.tv. Uh, bang that into your uh, search engine and I'll take you straight through to Picture Perfect as well. Get that correct. And then when you're watching your widescreen Blu-ray, so if you're watching Star Wars, for example, good example, Phil, when you're watching that on Blu-ray, those black bars are supposed to be there. Don't panic. I have a question, and it's Mm -hmm. a genuine question for once. I'm not being facetious. Sky HD, and I I don't, I mean, obviously, Steve, I know that your fanatical dislike of Mr. Murdoch means you don't really have the equipment, but it's an open question. I'm hoping somebody either here or listen to the podcast knows sky hd boxes all the hd channels automatically uh, adjust their aspect ratio correctly um and this is specific obviously when they're showing something in six uh, in four by three it broadcasts it correctly as four by three if you then watch one of the standard definition broadcasts over hdmi um nothing that's broadcast in four by three i there's nothing i can do to stop the box squeezing it to become 16 by 9 is that just part a, of the a lot of that is on on the part of the broadcaster on the sd channels i've seen some shocking examples I and mean, one of the worst used to be uh, the old turner network uh, they used to be terrible because they'd show a scope film but then they would squash it even further like squash <laughs> it in so the black bars were even bigger than they should have been um, and they would show 185 movies with almost uh, two, three, five bars at top and bottom. It used to be terrible. So a lot of that comes down to the broadcaster, um, and there's not a lot you can do about it. Fine, since, as, long since, as, as long as it's not a setting that I'm missing, I'll, I can accept no. that. As long as it's not me being a div, that's all right. But you Where's can just change aspect ratio on your TV to adjust for that manually. doesn't yeah. seem to work. No, it, 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 it doesn't. They used to do this with Family Guy and BBC Three, and it used to drive me mad as well, because they, they would... It should be four by three, the older episodes. Yeah. yeah. And they would stretch out to sixteen nine. Oh, were they? And yeah. there was absolutely nothing you could do about it. You know, you couldn't yeah. get yeah, it back. And when you the squeeze right it back to four by three, it just still looked bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It did. Um just to point out, since Ed brought it up, when we say four by three, that was the old ratio for T V 
before we went to widescreen TV. So uh, it was four t- times, it was four wide and three high. Um, 1.33 to one would be the aspect ratio effectively. That was also was the aspect ratio used, what's called academy ratio, which was used by movies from the early days of cinema up until the 50s when TV became popular. And in order to combat that, movies went very widescreen in order to give people cinema go was something different from their television experience some of them went very wide. very wide 2.76 to 1 in case of that Ben-Hur yeah and then he had Cine- Cinerama uh, production yeah. so um, what was it How the West was one I mean yeah. that's uh, I think it's 2 is it 280 odd 290 yeah, odd 285 I think it was 280 but that was a proper wraparound screen and it was shot you on three, three cameras curved screen for yeah. that one <laughs> <laughs> that's when a curved screen comes in handy <laughs> And it was um, shot on three cameras yeah. and displayed so you, three projectors. If, yeah, nightmare to shoot and actually project. I mean, just a crazy system when you think about it. I'm mean, just asking for trouble. But um, And they had to put things like lampposts or something where there was going to be the, well, <laughs> the two if, images. If you, if you look at the Blu-ray of how the West was one, a fantastic transfer. One absolutely brilliant uh, transfer to disc. The encoding is superb on it, but you can see the joins. Yeah, absolutely. And they've done, their, done, done their best to digitally, you know, remove those joins. But even then, with all the modern technology available to us, it's still you still can't make it seamless. And obviously, you couldn't put anyone anywhere near the camera, cameras, because so that's, close-ups yeah. were virtually impossible. That, that's why there's no close-ups. System. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was all right. long. Um, so if you're watching a, a four by three uh, TV program, an older TV program, or an old movie made probably before the fifties or sixties. Um, then the black bars at the sides, again, are supposed to be there because, as Phil described, now you've got a smaller rectangle within the bigger rectangle, so you've got bars at the sides. I know it sounds it sounds confusing, but um, it does make sense eventually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We believe you. <laughs> okay, quickly, uh, recent reviews that have gone up on the site. Uh, BenQ W1400 projector and the Epson TW7200. What's coming up, Steve? Coming up, another BenQ. Uh, W770ST. So this is a 720p projector with a short throw lens. So if you're a bit tight, it's also, I think, £499. So very cheap. If you limited cash and limited space, could be the one for you. Uh, we'll be reviewing that soon. And I think, Mark, you've got the Samsung M7 speakers. Yeah, multi-room uh, audio system, uh, or 4.0 audio system. Yeah, I got sent all four of them by Samsung. Uh, you plug it into your network and, and off you go. Very plug and play. That, certain, that aspect certainly works. More investigation needed yet, though, really. Before it's I not can just write a 4.0 system. I mean, you can stick one in each room and have I it did as say a multi-room audio yeah. I did say multi-room audio system. Yeah, so kind of a, a Sonos, answer to Sonos. Uh, which we're seeing many of this year. so uh, But easier than Sonos, I have to say. <laughs> I, I, believe, I believe so. I've not set a Sonos up, but it couldn't get any easier than, than this system. Literally plug in the speakers, wire the, uh, the control box up to your router, and it's all hooked up and ready to go. And yeah, then you can control, is, control it with a mobile app. Sonos trade off a small amount of um, of ease of setup. For, for the, what, the, what Sonos is looking for is absolute stability. So that's why they use a mesh network and that funny bridge thing. And as I understand it, most of the competition don't do that, and it's a trade-off. It's easier to get them going. You don't need to add any additional bits, but um, obviously it's it's as good or as bad as your own home network is. And obviously, do uh, speaking as someone that obviously still does a bit of support on the, on the side for these things, um, it's never people never seem to rip, put two and two together that their um, internet provider and their, the quality of their supplied router plays more of a role on this than the quality mm-hmm. of the equipment ever does. But if you can get it work, I'd be interested to see the review. It, it looks a very technically accomplished product, and yeah, I'll have high hopes. So here we go. 
So that's uh, a roundup of the reviews coming up. And uh, don't forget Picture Perfect, myperfectpicture.tv for uh, the aspect ratio and all the other things that we've discussed in this segment. And coming up next is Games News. Right, so let's go to games. Uh, Mark, the games podcast uh, went live on Monday. Tell us all about it. Yep, uh, went live on Monday. Uh, new guy, James, has come aboard. So um, there's a new voice there. We cover the Facebook uh, Oculus Rift buyout. Um, Titanfall landing, well, it landed about the time of the March potty. So we've had a proper month with it now. So Leon really kind of gets into his opinions about that one uh, metal gear solid ground zero and the xbox one firmware update those are the kind of big talking points it's pretty quiet time for gaming at the moment there's there's not a hell of a lot being announced um but today there was one interesting piece of news which was uh attenborough documentary being made for the oculus rift uh this conquest of the skies uh shooting for sky uh 3d at the moment which is going to be a nature documentary, as you'd expect, delving into the jungles of Borneo. Uh, they're going to be using an eight-camera setup, so you'll be able to get a 360-degree view of it. There's, there's, you know, no great detail on exactly how it's going to be, how it's going to work, or how it'll be made available. But you know, the ideal, obviously, being that you know you can look around the environment as the as the things playing, which should just be, you know, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, so it, it's an interesting little aside to this idea that um, the Oculus Rift could become a, a platform in its own right rather than simply a peripheral. Okay, and you go into that in quite a bit in the Games Podcast. I've got to say the new boy James as well. He takes over a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Steve in disguise, is it? <laughs> It might be. Uh, right, so that's a games podcast. Download that after you finish listening to this one. That is important. Finish listening to this one. Then go and download the games podcast. And like I say, that went up on Monday. And coming up next is movie news. Sean Sweet. Well, not a lot to say if there's like pod- a full no podcast how long, out. In how there. long was the games podcast this week, Monthly? An hour uh, and 20 minutes. How long was it? Hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, it's not bad. Slappy. For some films. I don't think you'll want to talk about brevity, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you can talk about what's at the cinema. So what was at the cinema, Steve? This week The Quiet Ones, which is the latest film from the revamped Hammer films. Um it's not really Hammer from the old days, it's just different companies bought the name, but anyway, they made The Woman in Black, which I've got to say, I, by coincidence, I saw again last week. And it is a really scary film, very effective, great atmosphere, good performances uh, and really effective um, shocks in it. Genuinely frightening movie to watch, I think, personally. And I know we discussed this at length when it came out originally. I know um, that Chris McAnini was very much the opinion. It was a great film, too. And it was like one of those sort of gateway movies into horror. So going in to see The Quiet Ones, I was kind of hoping it would be along similar lines, you know. Um, I thought we did such a good job with the woman in black. This could be really scary. Sadly, nowhere near as good, partly because it, it really struggles with its tone. It, it, first of all, it purports to be based upon a true story. So obviously that's not the case because there's such things as ghosts. We already know that. Um, but it, you know, in it, it a uh, professor at Oxford University is, is 
has this theory that what we think are ghosts and other paranormal manifestations are actually something within ourselves, some sort of telekinetic ability, and that if you can uh, corner this telekinetic ability and remove it, you can cure the person from the, their men mental problems and the manifestations around them. And to do that, he has this poor woman who he thinks is a prime suspect locked up in a room, and basically they're torturing her. They're keeping her awake for hours and then by playing her Come On, Fill the Noise by uh, Slade. It is set in the 70s, which is, I suppose, to ram her point home a little bit. The people, the, the Dons at Oxford aren't very happy with what he's up to, so they throw him out. Um, and rather than doing this sort of, you know, in a laboratory under controlled experiments, uh, controlled conditions, he goes and rents a spooky old house where they lock her in a room again and they start holding these seances and trying to, trying to pursue his mad theories. First of all, I've got absolutely no idea to this day why it's called The Quiet Ones, <laughs> to explain that. It's also not a quiet film at all. It's one of those films that thinks loud noises equate to scares. No, so a big loud noise. So the first time it happens, you do jump. Second time it happens, you jump a bit more. And after a bit, you get used to the rhythm of it, rhythm of it, and you and you're waiting for the, the the loud noise of the scare to come, so it doesn't become scary anymore. There's not, it hasn't got that overriding sense of you know atmosphere that say the woman in black had, where you're just you know on edge the entire time. Um, I think someone referred to it once as cattle prod cinema, and that is a good way of describing it. Just giving you these loud shocks every now and then. It's not quite the same thing as being actually scared. But uh, yeah, it, it, at one point the film sort of suggests that maybe he's setting up because he's got these students who are two students of his who are helping him out, and also a third person played by Sam Clayfin, who was most recently seen in The Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire. He's a cameraman, a local cameraman from Oxford, and he's sort of filming. So it cuts between sort of normal footage and also the footage he films in sixteen mil on his camera. Um, and there's a suspicion at one point that the professor Jared Harris, played by Jared Harris, is trying to you know is setting them all up, and it's all a con. And that would have been quite interesting. But then it goes into, and, and it clearly at various other points, it's, it's, it's paranormal and supernatural in nature. Um, so it just can't decide on its tone. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. And, and because of that, you know, you don't really buy into the film. You don't, so you don't buy into the characters. You don't care about them. And, and therefore, ultimately, it's, it's a fairly empty experience with a fairly obvious ending. And so I was a bit disappointed in the end. It was a shame because I, I really did. I really hoped it would be along the same lines of the Moon Black in a really fun, frightening experience. And in fact, it was was it was very mediocre. And uh, although the performances on the in, on the whole were very good, particularly I have to say Olivia Cook, who played the young girl who who's got the emotional problems. Um, but yeah, it just didn't it just didn't deliver in any. Um, on a lot, you know, it kind of promised more than it could actually deliver in terms of story and and scares. Score? So, five. Ooh, okay. Right, so that's a quiet maybe one. Maybe six. Maybe six if I'm being generous. But All right. No, quick. six. Uh, quickly, Simon, what's the Blu-rays that are out next week? Uh, next week, we've got The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, that's um, a comedy with Ben Stiller. Um, it actually looks quite interesting. I've um, seen it. It's do really good. documentary about some of our forum members, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that from me. Yeah, um, it does look interesting. And you, you say, Steve, that's great. You know, I, mean, I, I, I did fancy it myself, that one. And Kill Your Darlings, which I've never heard of. It's uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, I think it's based upon similar, the Leopold and Loeb case, which was also the basis for the film Rope, about two gay killers. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it either, actually, so I don't know. Um, but uh, Mortal Mitty is excellent, and I strongly recommend it. I think it's a really sweet movie, really lovely. Uh, we've got a really great message to it, nice, good heart. Uh, beautifully shot. Ben Stiller, ben Stiller um, who directed it as well, he does use great cinematographers and it looks gorgeous. And it was a, I really, really enjoyed that movie. It's great. It's a really sweet film. Okay, so uh, we're going to move on because the quotes this week, if you didn't already know, were from Aliens. And we've got a face-hugging, chest-busting, culinary treat coming up. It's Mark's AV Snack. Mm. 
<laughs> All hype and no delivery, isn't there? So. I kind of went down another path. So that the, the easy call there would have been to do something ridiculously spicy. Uh, or tripe. Or tripe. Oh, yeah, there's another one, you see. So I originally came up with a walnut recipe. which was a bit spurious. Uh, and then it was pointed out to me that eggs would be the obvious thing uh, to do with it being aliens. So... A question I've never asked, or no, I have been a couple of times, is how do you poach an egg? So we'll start off with the three methods, three methods, fail-safe almost, methods of poaching an egg. Um, the, the, the most cru- critical thing is make sure your eggs are super fresh. So if they've been sat in your cupboard, and, and don't keep them in the fridge, by the way, if you've been sat in the cupboard two or three weeks, you've got no chance, they'll, they'll split everywhere um, because the proteins in the album start to break down. Um, You're not supposed to keep eggs in the fridge? no. Oh. People only do because fridge makers put egg holders in the fridge. Yeah, well, life's great cons that. So yeah, keep keep them at room temperature, and they'll behave much better when you cook them. Uh, and they won't. They stay fresh because they're totally sealed in in the egg. They just stay, you know, as fresh as. How long would they stay? Uh, if you bought some eggs today, for example, Mark, and put them in the cupboard, how long could you keep them for realistically? Realistically, and still be able to poach them successfully. Yeah. Or no, well, just use and cook with. Three, two, three weeks. Yeah, it should be all right. But if it when poaching, absolutely as fresh as possible. So um, you'd want a, a best before date of three weeks hence uh, or just strike up a relationship with some poultry. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> some local it's chickens. Not, 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 <laughs> no, not that kind of or, or you could buy some chickens and shove them in the garden. I mean, the, Stewart's done that, I believe. Yeah, the boss does that. I, in fact, he's given me some. We had, he gave me eggs at the Gadget Show Live and they were fantastic. They poached beautifully. Um, anyway, so the way I do it, obviously the pro's way, uh, is uh, in a pan, just heat some water up uh, until it's got those very tiny bubbles in, so it's not boiling. Um, so a, a simmer, you would technically call that. Uh, make sure the height of the water is uh, taller than the egg. Uh, it's, quite, it's quite important. You don't want to do it in a shallow pan otherwise, because you need you want the outside of the egg to cook as soon as it hits the water, so to maintain its shape. Um, and then just, just leave them on a gentle simmer for just crack them in um if you're if the nerve endings on the end of your finger have gone uh, by all means stick your fingers in the boil in the water uh, that's what i do but most normal people wouldn't so just crack it into a cup maybe so you can pour it f- from very close to the surface of the water uh that's method one method two uh same setup with the water but use a whisk to to uh, just whisk around the simmering water before you put the egg in it will create like a like a vortex in the water so you can just chuck your egg into that and it'll it should it should just stay together because the the, the as the um egg spinning around in the water it, it'll just it'll create the oval shape or method three is use boiling water so but in a pan that's got good controllable heat so you could, as soon as you chuck it into the bowl boiling water the the egg will seal in its shape and then just turn it right down and you and you you want it to be able to, you know, virtually go to simmer straight away. So that's a metal pan. Uh, and then, okay, so you've got you've got poached eggs. They take two, two and a half uh-huh. minutes. Sorry, yeah. good question. Don't you put a little bit of vinegar in the water? No, there's no need if your eggs are fresh. No, and it just it just it flavors the egg, and it doesn't. Well, do it, so. anyway. The yeah, vinegar I... will buy you another couple of days in using the egg, and depending on what you're yeah. doing with the egg, it it doesn't necessarily matter that there is a pickup in the flavor on it. Just I mean, you can get you can you can use a slightly older egg if you use vinegar. Very true, Ed. Very true. And with what the, the, what I was going to do next, it wouldn't matter because I was going to do you a uh, a one minute hollandaise sauce. So obviously that's got a slight acidic element to it. So um, 
that wouldn't matter. Yeah, a, bit, a little bit of vinegar wouldn't do any harm, and it does help. It does help hold it together, as you say. But I, I don't, you know, just buy fresh eggs, and you won't need that. So for your hollandaise sauce, uh, egg yolks. I'm, I'm taking it. Most people know how to separate an egg, but right? Do you know it's how to separate? Keep going. It's gone. It's stuck. Um, boil an egg. You're going to boil an egg. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back in three and a half minutes. So, <laughs> three egg yolks. Uh, some, You'll still be talking. I'll still be talking. I can get this done in two. Uh, a, t- a tablespoon of lemon juice, um, some salt, pinch of salt, um, some cayenne pepper, if you like, um, and and then a good wad of butter. So what, for three egg yolks, what you'd need? About 250 grams of butter, something like that. Melts your butter. That's a shitload of butter, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. There's basically quite a bit of hollandaise. Um, melt the butter gently in a pan or uh, in a microwave on defrost. You can do it. So if, you, if that would take probably 45 seconds on defrost and you don't want it to cook or boil or anything. Um, and then you just take the rest of the stuff. So the egg yolks, the lemon juice, uh, pepper, salt, uh, and bung that in a blender uh, on a medium blend just do it for what 30 40 seconds until it goes kind of lighter in color it's kind of a light a light custard color uh, and then reduce the speed on your blender and drizzle in the melted butter uh, just bits at a time until you've got about half of it and then you can wang a lot in uh, just blend it one more time round and that's it you've got hollandaise sauce chuck in some um, tarragon if you like or some parsley if you don't like that taste and pour it over your poached egg there you go. Brunch it about. And the trick with the hollandaise is because it's raw egg. You mustn't cook the egg, must you? Yeah, the the action of the blender and the lemon juice actually cooks the cooks the proteins in the egg. So, yeah. and if you're buying good eggs, you, you, salmonella is not not a big not a risk anymore in this country. You have it on my authority. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, they've wiped out salmonella. That's, that, uh, okay, then. So you've got your poached egg. You've got your hollandaise. How do you dress it? Do you present it? Oh well, you, I don't know. Just some, some on some nice bread. I mean, you said you had uh, sour sourdough bread, sourdough and, and, and salmon and fresh yeah. eggs, hollandaise, like salmon. That's a good way. There's lots of ways to do it. Just do it on, on some. I would just do it on some nice bread. Uh, sourdough is an arse to be. I'm not telling you how to make that. It takes days, about five days to make. No, salmon. no I didn't buy it. Buy it. From oh, the did shop. you? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, didn't, make good every, it's, didn't make everything fresh. It takes five or six days to make. Steve to make, certainly so. didn't make that either. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> no. Uh, I'd yet to serve it on some nice bread and with some grilled bacon, if you so please. I'm feeling hungry again now. I prefer to fry them, actually. I think they get, I think, um, frying them in olive oil, I think, is better. On a bit of toast with bacon, and that's, that, that's my thing. I'm not, I'm not into poaching's far too healthy. There's a time and a place for both, I think, in a, in a free and fair society. I wouldn't want fried egg with fish, for example. Poached egg every time for that bad boy. I'm not sure I've ever had egg and fish together. Yes, you must have had, like, uh, kippers? Kippers and eggs? Kippers? What are you living in a war? <laughs> <laughs> you ever had kedgeri? <laughs> yeah, I'm with withers on this. Ked- kedgeri? Oh. I don't know. Egg and chips. Fried egg and chips. That's way better. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've established that uh, Simon is, is obviously a, a gourmet bon viveur. <laughs> yeah, and you you think you're posh, right? Uh, bot, right? I still. Uh, I imagine he's have, had a bolognese incident. <laughs> <laughs> he's having hard his trousers. Is that why? As he says, minor accident here. Cut to me last. <laughs> <laughs> I think poaching poaching an egg. It's no one you go round in a round table asking what people think. It's yeah. It's more. Oh, actually, of, it's, it's more your eggs Benedict variations and, and and things like that. 
for me, really. Um, I will say that a good Eggs Benedict is second only to the McDonald's strawberry milkshake as a hand. Well, I wouldn't have them at the same time. So, to be fair, they both have a, incredibly restorative properties. And um, in the case of Eggs Benedict, at least, there's scientific... The, the things in there are, are, are you know, um, that they, they, they are all the things that your shattered brain and nervous system need to feel marginally less like you're going and to die. As I've said in the past, Ed, the best hangover cure, and this is coming from a non-drinker, <laughs> is a bottle of iron brew and a fry-up. Well, the fry-up is much... Actually, the fry-up, there's, there's the same bits and bobs going into the fry-up, the, 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 again, bringing you back from the brink. Obviously, Mark has very kindly explained for you to do it yourself, but a, a shameless plug. I have no vested interest in it, but if you want... The, I mean, the best Eggs Benedict I have ever had uh, can be yours at the Charlotte Street Hotel in London, just off Tottenham Court Road. Um, it is beyond compare. Uh, I would quite simply crawl half a mile over broken glass to have one of those. They, they, it's just magnificent in every single way. I mean, they, that sounds like them, our next challenge. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't, he hasn't bre- done the first one yet. No, yeah. All of their breakfast menu is, is beyond compare, but their Eggs Benedict is magnificent. Right, okay. So, so before we finish on AV Snack, let's get to the important point here, Ed. A foreign member has put you to shame by doing this challenge. Yes, when, I know. When it's- are we going to get it? Can someone, if someone can sort out some childminding for me, I will will will, will be able to to be sure filmed. Surely your kid sleeps at some point, doesn't he? You'd like to think so. I think he. You only need two and... minutes for this challenge. This yeah, yeah, but what if he has a heart attack halfway through? <laughs> or a cracker? <laughs> that's that's my problem, and not not. No, I I will I will get on with it. On I. As soon as I've, you know, done other things like I don't know the reviews that I'm supposed to do for you guys and other, you know, trifling and minor details. Uh, here we go. Bloody excuses, eh? Yeah, that's So, what was your minor accident, Bot? Right? Oh, I, I sprayed silver polish everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> have you came your cutlery you, while we were doing you, this have podcast? You run out of cider. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, Never run outside it. No, I, I was I was cleaning a small uh, old uh, St Christopher's pendant, and I suddenly realised that in fact it said to shake the bottle, and I didn't realise that I had the lid still off it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm finishing this podcast in my boxer shorts. <laughs> As in fact, Steve starts it. <laughs> Oh dear, it could only There's happen. There's so many health and safety lessons that we can probably apply to this, can't we? <laughs> well, it's Mark telling people to put his fingers into boiling water as well. Jesus. Oh no, uh, no, it, it. It, he's he's absolutely. There are uh, the if you look at um, obviously I like watching MasterChef. It's food pornography. It's fantastic, but it's clear that the actual the, the professionals that they just don't have any any form of sensation left at the end of the digits they're just constantly prodding stuff which is either on fire or about to be on fire and it doesn't seem to do them any any harm at all they're just conditioned to it and i never understand people who watch food programs on the tv i just i don't see the fascination but i just get hungry especially if it's man versus food jesus christ i just like learning different Different. I mean, with master, the non-professional master chef in particular, it's normally possible to pick stuff up which is, you know, of genuine. You know, it's it's viable to do in a domestic kitchen. You don't need to have, you know, a centrifuge and a 
bit two big bottles of liquid nitrogen. And I think that, you know, I think that's good. I, I, I like to learn new things, unless it's maths. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, so that was uh, Mark's AV snack there. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm sure we'll have another one very soon. And that wraps it up for yet another week. Don't forget, we are not here next week, but we will be back again on the 30th of April. Uh, so all I need to do now is thank Steve Withers. I like to keep these handy for close encounters. Mark Botwright. I'm happy to disappoint you. Simon Crust. We're all going to die, man. And Ed Selly. I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for the latest reviews, news and video. Plus, you can leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> and you laughed at me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>